Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of UrbanHealthToday.com, part of the DocWire family of medical news sites, and I want to thank you for tuning in to Urban Health Weekly. Our goal each week is to keep you informed of the latest in health and medical news right from today's headlines. It's time to empower yourself with open conversations about your medical care with news that matters to you. So are you ready? Let's get started. I'm Tamara Thomas, Editor-in-Chief of Urban Health Today, and I'm speaking with Dr. Jay Anders, Chief Medical Officer at Medicom. We're experts in delivering actionable clinical data. He's here today to talk about hallmark indicators and why they matter for patients. Thank you for speaking with me today, Dr. Anders. You're very welcome, Tamara. All right, let's get started. So can you tell us about your background and your work? Um, well, I'm an internist by training. Um, I practiced for 20 years in the large multi-specialty group practice arena. Um, at Towards the end of that, I was administration of that particular clinic. Uh, I was 125 group member group. And then I got interested in doing electronic healthcare um, and worked for a couple of EMRs, finally through McKesson, and finally wind up here at uh, Medicomp Systems. Um, so as a practicing internist for 20 years, I learned a lot about what clinicians really need to know and when they need to know it. And some of the the problems with electronic healthcare. And that's one of the reasons I got into what I'm doing now is that technology really can help if we design it correctly and present it correctly and put it to work for the clinicians and the patients at the point of care. What drew you to, to working with EHR? Um, I saw it as a major hole. Um, we adopted at our clinic, we adopted an EMR back in 2002 back when this was very young, there was no meaningful use, there was no regulations, there was no interoperability. Uh, it just was a way of getting medical records and information moved around our fairly large clinic from place to place. And as I finally got to use one for a period of time, I was asked if I would like to consult to try to make it better. So I did that for a while and then subsequently moved to that full-time practice part-time and then now I'm full-time in this but the reason I got involved with it and my my old colleagues ask me this a lot um, they say why do you stop practice and I said well during my practice I would see between five and six thousand patient visits a year so I would touch patients several times a year obviously but you know on attuned about 2,500 people I would affect their lives over that particular time period in this particular job, I can affect and better hundreds of thousands of lives by helping information technology actually work and get it in the hands of the people who actually will use it and designed by the people who actually use it. Um, so that's what drew me to this. Uh, it was the fact that these things, when they first started out, weren't very well designed, nor did they help do anything except collect billing data for clinicians. They should be able to do more. And now they can do more uh, with the 
regulations that have come up with 21st century cures and other things now, um, EMRs are starting to become connected and that only makes things better. So what are hallmark indicators and why are they important for managing the health of patients? And what hallmark indicators are most common in urban areas? Well, what a hallmark or key indicator is, is for every chronic disease, and that's what we're talking about mostly, is treatment and following and managing chronic diseases. Um, there are five, six, no more than 10 or 15 things that indicate the progression or regression of a particular clinical disease. So those things that clinicians forever have been keeping in their heads about what do I look for? I've got a patient with diabetes. What are the five things I've got to know to make sure this patient is managed or not? Um, so that's what a key indicator is. And in urban areas, more than I think um, in rural areas as well, uh, you add things, not only most key indicators are a lab test or a clinical finding of some type. Um, you could add things to that like social determinants of health. Does the patient have access to their medication? Yes or no. Um, I can tell a little story if you'd like about that. I would love that. Thank you. Um, I had a, um, a patient in practice who was on public aid. And September, October, most every year, she had a seizure disorder. She'd wind up in the emergency room. And I'd get a call. And she's there, and I'm thinking, okay, what's happened? Well, the first time it was a surprise. She ran out of her medicine. Her, her medicine basically stopped being paid for in September. So she couldn't get it. She had a seizure, and she wound up in the emergency room, spending thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for something that would have been cured by refilling a generic anti-seizure medication that was probably $5 at that point in time. So knowing that she would run out of her medication in September, if I had that as a key indicator, access to her medication, has that changed when she comes in for her visit? I had to figure that out on my own. All of a sudden I started putting two and two together and say, okay, this is the reason she always winds up in the emergency room in September because she ran out of her meds. So access to medication, access to health care, um, things like that. People run out of bus tickets and they can't get to their physician. So they wind up digressing in their disease and they wind up in the emergency room and then we have to start the process all over again. So when it comes to hallmark indicators or key indicators, the bulk of them are clinical to help a clinician figure out where a patient is. Some of them can be unique depending on location of a particular patient or a particular situation of a particular patient. So there's generic, there's clinical, and then there's the ones you can stripe just for specific situations or for specific patients. It sounds like you have a particular amount of awareness that I'm not sure today's busy physicians necessarily have, busy and distracted physicians, I should say, necessarily have. Um, so in how, how does the, uh, how does EMR help them with the sorts of things like access to medication, transportation that you picked up on, for example? Well, 
in the last several years, uh, the social determinants of health have actually started to come to the forefront and actually be studied as a part of a disease process. Like any other, not taking meds, bad lab tests, not following my diet, whatever that happens to be. Um, so having those indicators at the point of care when you're seeing patients becomes very, very critical. EMRs right now are not designed to do this. The, the technology is now available for EMRs to sort and filter clinical information for a clinician. Mm -hmm. And by allowing that to be presented to them at the point of care, they can know in an instant, there are five lab trends here, things aren't doing well. I need to ask more questions. Why is this patient not doing well? And which one of these key indicators or several of them are not where they should be. So the key is presenting the information to the clinician in a way that they can find it. EMRs are not designed that way. EMRs are full of silos where here's all of my lab tests. I'll use that as an example. I wanna see this patient's diabetes. Show me the diabetes lab tests. They have renal failure. Show me the renal failure lab tests. By doing so, it, I call it clinical noise. It filters out everything else so you can focus on one aspect of medical care at a time. Um, that's where EMRs come in. They can, the computers can actually do that now and present that to clinicians. So it's kind of AI then? It's not really AI. It's more of a collection of things that we already know. Clinicians know if they're following somebody with diabetes, here are the five or six things I need to know about this particular patient. What I don't know is following that backwards over time. So diabetes is a chronic disease. Is this going up or down as a particular lab test? Some should go down because they're getting better. Some should go up because they're getting better. It depends on what you're following. But trying to find that at, while you're seeing the patient is the key. Um, that's kind of one of my soap boxes is you can't bury critical information inside big piles of other clinical information. All valid, but give it to me so I can use it. And so this is what sometimes creates a challenge for clinicians to find the indicators with patients is that they're buried in the deluge of information that's not sorted out necessarily for them to see a pattern. Is that, is that about right? That is very correct. Okay, so how does having ready access to hallmark indicators affect patient care and outcomes? Well, we now have examples of technology like this that's been implemented that has actually proven that by having these indicators and following these indicators over time, patients get better. They require less medication or they require less interventions because their disease state has actually gotten better. Um, one, of our, one of the installations of Medicomp is Phoenix Children's Hospital, and they don't mind me talking about this. Um, one of their first forays into this, and now they have this in 70 different disease entities for children, was juvenile arthritis, which is a lot of joints that are swollen and tender and sore, and it's a horrible disease for kids. By putting these kind of key indicators in and following over time, they know, okay, I've added this medication and this happened to my joint counts. They started to go down. The patient didn't have as much swelling. The patient didn't have as much pain. 
and they can follow that and adjust things like fine tuning a radio. So that's where the patient care actually gets advanced. It also helps clinicians to intervene early. So if something's not going on as, as it should, or a lab test isn't what it should be, they can intervene. And that can be done either at a patient visit or over telehealth or just looking at trends, which a lot of clinicians now are doing. A lot of the triage though is not necessarily happening at the, um, at the physician level though, right? Because of cost savings and so forth. So I'm just wondering how much of it, um, how much of sussing out this information and, and putting it all together, how much of it is the clinician and how much of it is the, the data pulling the information together for the clinician? If, if a key set of key indicators are presented to clinicians, they can within seconds figure out what is going on with a patient very, very easily. Where the data comes in, and this is where all the 21st century cures and TEFCA and interoperability that you read about, um, and this happens especially in urban areas because folks will jump from place to place to place. Right. And Dr. A or nurse practitioner A needs to know what nurse practitioner B has done, which is nurse practitioner C is about to see the patient. So having that same set of data together shared across that continuum there, and I for the word continuum, but across the, the care of that particular patient is very critical. It prevents errors. It prevents cost because there's a lot of in duplicating tests and trying to figure out what other people have done. And it really saves time when it comes down to the clinician actually seeing the patient. Because like I said, it only takes a few seconds to figure out, oh, this person's renal failure is stable. That's not a problem. The medications look good, we're okay. Or it's not. And then I have to start spending more time doing something about that. It would seem that having access to hallmark indicators at the point of care is especially important for clinicians participating in value-based care payment models. Is that correct? Is that true? Well, I'll back up and I'm an old managed care guy, so I kind of understand that business. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's good medical care. Forget about who's paying the bill. It's good medical care. In managed care, or it, call it what you want, um, it really is a managed care situation. Good medical care saves money. You can do more with less because you're on top of it as opposed to being reactive. So having this information ahead of time allows you to become proactive, not reactive. And in my now fairly long career in medicine, um, when you become reactive, just like I explained about my patient in the emergency room, costs go up, patients care declines. It just doesn't work. So that's where I, I come in a managed care situation or Medicare Advantage or any one of those. Um, having that information timely shared across the patient's record for anyone who's caring for them to see becomes very critical. It only produces really good medical care. And I've got several examples 
in uh, my realm of influence that have done that. So if you don't mind sharing them. Well, I talked about Phoenix Children's Hospital is right. one. Mm -hmm. um, we have several other EMRs that are implementing this type of technology. Um, right now, uh, they were the, somewhat the first, um, but like I said, I really don't want to mention all my the EMRs that this is in, but it's in, it's in several. And it's becoming more and more noticeable when this technology is not available. When you have several different labs um, that different clinicians are using, how is all of this information pulled together in one place? Can you talk about that? Sure. Um, thankful for our government to come up with some standards. Um, there are codes that all certified electronic health records must adhere to. Uh, one of those codes is, I'll speak about labs, are called LOINC codes. LOINC codes is a standard nomenclature for all lab tests. So every certified EMR must be able to receive and transmit LOINC codes. And it's those LOINC codes that we leverage at Medicom to bring that information together. So by having a standard nomenclature, for labs, and there's one for meds, one for vaccinations and immunizations, allows us to put. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. That striping together that I talked about. So now I can put in an index all the things I need to see, all, all the indicators with LOINC codes that now are available anywhere. So having that coding is what really makes the system work. And it's, it's interesting, it's taken us that long to get there. Because now, I mean, I've talked to the National Coordinator of Healthcare IT. Um, he, his number one goal is to have every EMR be sharing this information place to place, regardless of who you are or where you are, you should be able to get your medical records transmitted. Can I tell you um, what I've been experiencing? I haven't found that to be the case, and I, I'm here in New York. I, if I go for an MRI um, at a, you know, an MRI chain, I have to because a lot of these hospital systems are closed systems because they want you to be, they want you to see all of their doctors. And so they want to keep all the information within their system. Mm -hmm. So I have to actually get them to burn the disc and print the report 
and then I have to put it in an envelope and I have to mail it to the, to the doctor's office and hope they get it in time before my appointment so that the appointment makes sense. Yep. <laughs> That's awful. That is extremely common. And one of the things that the 21st Century Cures Act is doing is putting teeth in the sharing of information. So up until that point, there hasn't been any incentive for the person who had your previous MRI to send anything to the person who's going to be doing your follow-up MRI. Now there is. There, information blocking and they put some real incentives and disincentives to have folks that provide medical care transmit that data. And when did that start? Do you know? Um, that's been now, well, it's been several years for 21st Century Cures. It just now became active in the last two. And mm. there's, as with anything federal government, it takes a long time for them to go through their process. And now we're at the end of that process when it comes to sharing information. So it's it's just now having the carrot and stick part come to pass. And so that wouldn't be the value-based care part, in your opinion? Value-based care is a payment-type scheme. It's not a scheme. Well, it is a scheme. It's a, a payment arrangement. It has nothing to do with sharing of information. It becomes more critical in that situation but it doesn't have anything to do with the particular payment mechanism that value-based care is. What it does do for value-based care is allow you, when you do share that information, not to repeat something you've already done. In some cases, you wanna see the old stuff, but in other cases, you don't. So I would separate those two. Mm -hmm. Value-based care operations, Medicare Advantage and others, is different than interoperability and good patient care. Because good patient care is as important in a fee-for-service as it is in a value-based care situation. So the sharing of information is critical regardless of the payment scheme. What it does do in both of those is it saves money. Fee-for-service is not so much. You don't care. Value-based care, you do. Right. Um, it really assists them in making sure that tests aren't repetitive and uh, things are transmitted or available to the people who really need them without us doing it again. Mm. And so that wouldn't be a characteristic then. I'm just trying to understand. The because I would think that not having the patients, um, not sharing the patient's information, uh, either receiving or sending, let's say, back to their primary care doctor, that would sort of be a breakdown in care in some ways, no? It would be, it would be. However, in managed care or value-based care, those organizations really have, and they've done it already without any incentives because of the money, the monetary incentive was there. I don't want to re repeat blood tests. I don't want to repeat tests. Right. Um, so when it, when it comes to that, 
they've had an incentive on the payment side. Right now, the federal government is putting a stick on the backside, meaning if you don't share your information, we're going to fine you. So a lot of times there have been in the past where there's been no disincentive. There's incentive in value-based care, but there's been no disincentive not to, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, I wanted to circle back um, to, we were talking off mic earlier about the differences in urban care and rural care. Can you talk a little bit about that as far as the key indicators? Common key indicators. Common key indicators. When it comes to a clinical condition, they are the same, regardless of whether you're in an urban setting, rural setting, or any other setting. It, the differences start to appear when it comes to the socioeconomic part of the population that you're seeing. So for instance, if I'm a rural practitioner out in the middle of Illinois, where I practiced for years, um, I kind of knew my patients. I, I really didn't need a whole lot of key indicators because I knew them all. When you're in an urban setting, that's not the case. I mean, like I said before, you're going from location, different locations, different providers and all of that. So that kind of sharing becomes critical. Mm. And also the socioeconomic differences are also kind of the same because you've got rural families who can't afford anything and can't get to their care as well as urban families. So the bulk of hallmark or key indicators are the same when it comes to treating chronic disease. Technology can allow you to fine tune those based on the population that you're seeing. So you can add things to the clinical aspect of a patient's care to more of the socioeconomic aspect of care, or particularly something that may pertain only to one patient. Technology can allow you to follow one thing for one patient, be very precise. Because if you know, if my patient, I knew without figuring it out that she wasn't getting her medicines in September, I'd have had my office reach out to her and say, hey, I've got samples, we'll find something, we'll get you going. Because the last thing I wanted was that three o'clock phone call from the emergency room and she's there, not doing well. So it allows you to track things better. Does that make sense? It does. And so as far as um, tracking patients, medication and so forth, I would imagine that that's, so how, so how does that work? Is, is that done with the clinician or is the patient um, left to their own devices to input this information at home? No, usually it's done at the clinician's office or phone call. Or, right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's usually not done at the time of care, but when they're there at the point of care is when you can ask other questions if you see things aren't working the way they should. So usually that data is, is gathered long before a clinician ever sees the patient, either by phone or by claims data that comes in. So how do I know a patient's actually got their medication? There's a claim for it. Well, if there's a claim for it, I know that they have it because some insurance or some carrier somewhere has paid for it. So I can follow that kind of thing outside having a patient visit. So it depends on what you're talking about. So medications, something are tracked a little differently than lab tests, which will change values 
you know, every time you draw them, they might be a little different. Mm -hmm. it, it sounds like so much data to, to, uh, to rifle through. Uh, do you have to have a dedicated person to, to do that? How does Medicomp, how does Medicomp help with that? Well, like I said, we can actually stripe things by clinical condition. So, but I mean, you, as far as the, the claims, let's say, for example, you that, the claims are nothing more than an indication that something has happened. Mm -hmm. That's all. Mm -hmm. Um, you can, the EMR will actually track that for oh, you. Okay. Or they can, depending on which one you have. Um, so they track that all along anyway. And there are companies like SureScripts that follow refills and all kinds of data that comes in. Um, it has to be shared. That's one of the big issues because one person may have it and the other person may not, depending on what system they're using. That's the other issue we have. Um, but once that information is available, what Medicomp does is put it all together with a particular clinical condition. So for diabetes, you're, you're right. There is a tremendous amount of data and it's only going to get worse uh, with 21st century cures and Tefka. We're now going to be sharing this and it's going to come in. My CEO calls it the uh, data tsunami where you're going to have just literally hundreds, not thousands of pieces of data coming in from somewhere else, not yours, somewhere else. So now, okay, I've got mine. I need to look at that. Now I've got somebody else's. I've got to join that together and I have to put it together. That's where Medicom comes in. Wow. We can actually put it all together for a condition so that I'm not rifling through hundreds of pages of things as opposed to, oh, here's the 10 things I need to see for this condition. Looks pretty good or not. So that's where, where we come in at Medicomp. We actually can do that and give that clinician at the point of care what they need to see so they don't make errors or they don't omit something. Because you're right, docs are busy. All Everybody that I see right now is just completely overwhelmed. COVID burned out a entire segment of the medical profession, I think, that and we're going to have to recover from. And stuff. So if we, yeah, if we can assist them, then that's what we should do. And technology can do that. We don't have to accept old, old norms anymore. I, I think it's time to start thinking about how can computers, how can med electronic medical records really assist the people providing the care and the people receiving the care. That's the other half of this is that key indicators can be shared with a patient. So think about hemoglobin A1C for diabetes. It's the one thing for type two we, tra we track all the time. Patients can look that up on a patient portal. They have access to a computer and say, oh, my numbers are going up, my numbers are coming down. They're normal, abnormal. All of that can be shared. And that's the beauty part about this. Then you have a care team. You've got patients involved with their people providing their care, whatever level that happened to be. And everybody's pulling the rope at the same time in the same direction, as opposed to, I didn't know that, that was omitted. I didn't see that. You saw Dr. X and he ordered this. Well, why do you order that? It's off, you know, that kind of stuff. 
which is what happens today. So can you provide any examples where healthcare providers are using technology to help manage key indicators more efficiently in urban areas in particular? I know you can't really necessarily talk about all, but can you talk about any? Well, the, the, our biggest example that I know directly and have direct access to was Phoenix Children's. They are in the middle of Phoenix, Arizona. They provide child care, child's health care for probably 75% of the Phoenix area, all comers. Mm -hmm. So they have taken this to absolutely the next level. They're following key in indicators on, like I said, about 70 plus conditions, and they're really making an impact with it. This technology or this particular concept is new. Oh. We did it forever in our heads as providers. Okay. Now the computer is helping us do it, which is a whole lot better because we're not having to think about it as much and take time thinking about it. So who's your ideal, um, what's your ideal clinical setting for this? I, I mean, I know you gave the example of the Phoenix Children's Hospital, but I mean, outside of pediatrics, um, what, what kind of clinicians would you say would benefit the most from Medicom? Almost all of primary care, you know, family practice, internal medicine, OBGYN, but even when you have specialty care, the example I use is actually rheumatology, right. which is a subspecialty. Mm -hmm. So there are many subspecialties that can actually use this technology to track things. Um, so it really is, is very few specialties would not benefit from using this type of technology. So it's basically could be used by just about everybody that's providing care. And as a clinician, would you say it helps um, clinicians in terms of the churn, less burnout? Oh, I, absolutely. One of, the, one of the biggest issues we have now, and I hear this every day, at least, about physicians saying that I've got this system in front of me, this electronic health record, and I can't find something. I can't do something efficiently. I've spent hours trying to go through things to do my work. Why is that? The reason is they're poor designs and they haven't used technology to actually advance things. So like I said, EMRs are starting to make that turn. They're starting to start to say, I've really got to give something back to the people who are using this and the people we're caring for. Right. As opposed to, I've got enough documentation to do a CPT code for a bill that I'm submitting to an insurance company. That's what they were designed for to do 15 years ago. Now that the tide has turned, we were focusing on care, not billing, not collecting data to bill, we're collecting data to care. Wow, that's amazing. Well, Dr. Jay Anders, thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for explaining this to me. Um, thanks for your time. Well, you're very welcome. I enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Urban Health Weekly today. I hope you'll join me and my friends next week so you can stay informed and inspired to take control of your health. See you next time.